Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, thank you oh so much for the many, many blessings you've already poured upon us all throughout this day. Now the awesome opportunity once again to get back in your word. We truly thank you for it. Please be with us as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Continuing our Bible study from A to Z, we begin to study on the word last as we see it used throughout the word of God. We'll hit the spots that it's used um, and that really stand out, that are prominent and we'll start with Isaiah and Isaiah chapter 2 get right into it here the word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem here speaking of the prophet Isaiah and the prophecy that was given to him by the Lord and it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains, and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways. And we will walk in his paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come ye, and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Speaking of prophecies of the things that will be occurring during the millennial period and then ultimately in the eternal state the peace and so forth but the beating the swords into plowshares and the spears into pruning hooks would be a reference to the changing the weaponry into something useful and beneficial to peace that we'll see during the millennial period. All right now go to Isaiah 44. We see another reference to the word last in a description of Jesus Christ, who is the first and the last. As we in Isaiah 44, pick it up in verse 1. Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb, which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou, Jezreel, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessing upon their offspring. And they shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the water courses. One shall say, I am the Lord's, and another shall call himself by the name of Jacob. And another shall subscribe with his hand unto the Lord, and surname himself by the name of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first 
and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. And who is as I shall call, and shall declare it, and set it in order for me, since I appointed the ancient people, and the things that are coming, and shall come, let him show unto them. Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time, and have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. So proclaiming that he is first and the last. As we know, he declares that throughout the Word of God, all the way into Revelation, where he says he is Alpha and Omega, which is the first and last of the alphabets, the Greek alphabet, meaning first and the last. And then over in Isaiah chapter 48, we see another reference here in Isaiah 48 in verse 12. Hearken unto me, O Jacob and Israel, my called. I am he. I am the first. I also am the last. Mine hand also hath laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand hath spanned the heavens. When I call unto them, they stand up together. Talking about the power and the might. Talking about the creativity. That Jesus Christ spoke everything into existence, and he is the first and the last. As he continues, verse 14. All ye assemble yourselves, and hear which among them hath declared these things. The Lord hath loved him. He will do his pleasure by on Babylon, and his arm shall be on the Chaldeans. I, even I, have spoken. Yea, I have called him. I have brought him, and he shall make his way prosperous. The Lord supporting those that do his will, and judging those that do not, and declaring that he is the first and the last. All right, now jump on over to the minor prophet of Micah. In Micah chapter 4, pick it up in verse 1. But in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established and the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow unto it. And many nations shall come and say, Come, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the law shall go forth to, of Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. See, this is basically the same thing he was saying over there in Isaiah. Now he's delivering that same message to Micah to be given to the children of Israel. As it continues, And he shall judge among many people, and rebuke strong nations afar off. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts hath spoken it. For all people will walk every one in the name of his God, and we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever." In that day, saith the Lord, will I assemble her that haileth 
and I will gather her that is driven out, and her that I have afflicted, and I will make her that halteth a remnant, and her that was cast far off a strong nation, and the Lord shall reign over them in Mount Zion from henceforth, even forever. This going right on over through the millennial kingdom into the eternal state. Especially this part talking there about forever and ever. And a lot to look forward to. When he speaks there of the last days, he speaks there of proclaiming that he is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And we can trust the prophecies, so many prophecies that have been given that have yet to be fulfilled that we're looking forward to. Because we see many, many that have been prophesied and they were fulfilled in the exact detail given. And we fully understand that that gives us the confidence of what we have to look forward to for eternity when he teaches us about the last days. And over in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 12, we see an interesting use of the word last, speaking of a last state or the last condition of an individual. And here in Matthew chapter 12, pick it up in verse 43. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he, and taketh with himself seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. This is evident when we see individuals that choose to get out of a bad habit, that out of bad behavior on their own and even if they seek help from others, but not turn to the Lord for the help. They do not become born-again Christians. They have emptied out themselves of the evil behavior, but have not filled themselves with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. They have not been indwelt with the Holy Ghost. Because when the Holy Ghost comes in, he puts up that no vacancy sign and the devil cannot come back in. But we see here that when someone gets all cleaned up, decides, well, I'm going to clean myself up. And then they get all cleaned up. Many times they wind up going right back into where they were before and become worse than they were before they cleaned themselves up. It's important that we realize that when we're a born-again Christian, the Holy Ghost comes into us. He gives us the strength to overcome sin. We of ourselves display over and over that we do not have the strength of our own to overcome sinful behavior. But through the power of the indwelling Spirit of the Holy Ghost, we can. So fill that void with the indwelling Spirit of the Holy Ghost. All right, now go to Matthew in chapter 19. Here speaking about some of the things that will occur 
in the last days and after judgment in Matthew chapter 19. Pick it up in verse 16, where it reads, And behold, one came and said unto him, Now this is they, the disciples, the people that were around, the observers, when Jesus was t teaching and preaching. And here one is approaching Jesus. Reads, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good Master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? This is an attitude of a lot of people, and we see it displayed in various religions, where they have a religion of works. They have a religion where they work their way to what they think is righteousness. And then it actually is self-righteousness. You have those that have the attitude that they have to work their way to heaven, that that's the only way to get there is through works. But it's by the finished work of Jesus Christ we get salvation. When we accept His finished work, convert from our sins, repent, turn away from that, become a new creature in Christ. It isn't because we work our way like this individual is inquiring here. What works can he do to be found righteous? As he continues in verse 17, and he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is, God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. This enter into the life he's speaking of is enter into eternal life. And keep the commandments. The two great ones that he emphasized, of course. As it continues, He saith unto him, Which, Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He gives him a few here. We know that there was 10 that were emphasized. We know that there is some 613 plus or minus ones of the Old Testament. But he really pointed out the importance of the two great commandments that we cover so well. Over in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. See, here he fine-tunes it and brings it into, if you do these two, it covers all the others. The Lord lists a few here, back over in verse 19 to this individual, but he does not mention to love God with all his heart, soul, and mind. He doesn't mention that one yet because of what he's trying to bring out. As we get back here, we'll see Verse 18 over in chapter 19 again reads, He saith unto him, Which Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. See, all these that he listed would be covered under the loving others as yourself. As he continues, verse 20, The young man saith unto him, All these have I kept from my youth up, what lack I yet? Jesus knew exactly what he lacked. 
Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. See, the Lord knew what was most important in this man's life. It was his possessions. It was not God. It was not serving the Lord. That was not most important to him. Most important to him was his own possessions. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. See, the Lord understood that this man did not choose the Lord first, did not love the Lord first, did not love the Lord with all of his existence. Otherwise, he would have done exactly what Jesus has told him to do. As it continues, we see the disciples' reaction. Verse 27, Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. This regeneration is speaking of the millennial kingdom, where they'll be given positions of judges to rule and reign over the tribes of Israel and over the Christians during the millennial kingdom. Verse 29, And every one that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And there's where we see the word last being used. Those that are first shall be last, and those that are last shall be first. Speaking of comparison to what the world would consider the first and the last. The world would consider the one that was built up with treasure in this world as being the first, as being the most important. But the ones that are really most important are those that give up the things of this world to have the things in the world to come. All right, now go to Matthew in chapter 20. As he continues to teach on this subject, picking it up in verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. 
and they went their way. Again he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour, and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out, and found others standing idle, and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? And they say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers, and give them their hire, beginning with the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Does not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is, and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil, because I am good? So the last shall be first, and the first last. For many be called, but few chosen." Teaching the value of salvation is a gift. It's not based upon our works. It's not based upon how many years we serve the Lord to determine our salvation. He gives the free gift of salvation to someone who is born again at an early age and lives their entire life serving the Lord. And he also gives salvation to an individual that get saved just shortly before their death and never lived for the Lord in all their life. So we see that reference here. Talking about the value of the salvation, the promised gift of the salvation itself. And that's what he's comparing it to there. But you know, we could work a thousand lifetimes over and not earn salvation. It is a gift. Yes, he has promised us rewards. Rewards for our service, rewards that we can enjoy in this lifetime, roll over into the millennial kingdom and enjoy then, and also roll all that over into the eternal state. So he does give us extra rewards, bonuses you might say, blessings, positions, responsibilities, duties, opportunities that he blesses us with as a result of our obedience and our service to him. But this is speaking of the, the contracted offer, which was the penny in comparison to the offer of salvation. The offer of salvation comes equally to all those that receive it, whether they receive it and live a long time serving the Lord or receive it and pass away shortly thereafter. The same wondrous, unspeakable gift of salvation. All right, now I'll turn over to Luke in chapter 11. As we continue this study on the word last, used in various ways, 
once again we see the reference of someone who has basically cleaned themselves up in Luke chapter 11 pick it up in verse 24 when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man he walketh through dry places seeking rest and finding none he saith I will return unto my house whence I ha I came out and when he cometh he findeth it swept and garnished then goeth he and taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself and they enter in and dwell there and the last state of that man is worse than the first we see referred to again here in the gospel of luke like we had read earlier in the gospel of matthew and it's a very important point to consider is that when someone chooses to clean themselves up under their own power and their own might maybe even with the assistance of other people, it isn't strong enough to endure the temptation to return back to sin. And when they return, many times we see this, they become more evil than they were before they cleaned themselves up. That's why we need to turn to the Lord and ask the Lord to do the work. Show us what to do. Give us the strength what to do and then hang on to the power and the might of the Lord. It's all of it is possible by God, whereas by man it's not strong enough. We cannot stand against the wiles of the devil on our own accord. We have to take on the full armor of God. Then we can resist the devil, and he'll flee from us. But when we try to do it by our own power and our own might, we will fail. We simply are not strong enough to overcome the temptations that the devil has the power to deliver in front of us, we fail every time. All right, now go to Luke chapter 13, picking it up in verse 24. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. Now, this is the teaching of Jesus Christ, and straight here is not talking about straight like a, a straight line that you would think of. Straight here is a tight is a restricted, is a controlled, it takes an effort to go through. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up and hath shut to the door, and you begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, and he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. Then shall ye begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. These workers of iniquity are those that have seen the gospel being delivered, have heard the gospel being taught, have been a part of organizations, but not a part of the kingdom. They have not truly accepted the Lord. You have many people that are associated with the churches that aren't even born-again Christians. They would fall into this category. Verse 28, There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves thrust out. 
and they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. And behold, there are last which shall be first, and there are first which shall be last. First and last. Another reference there to just because you are in a group doing a great work, if it's not being done for the Lord, through the Lord, just being done for yourself, through your own desires, to receive glory to yourselves, might fall under this category here. Did you come into the ministry for the money, for the prestige, or did you come into ministry to serve the Lord? Did you come in with the right attitude and desire to bring honor and glory to the Lord or to yourselves? Did you become part of the group of a church because you like the social setting, you like the group, you like the benefits of the church can give to you, the gimme, gimme, gimme attitude people? Or did you come in humbly, lowly, and seeking the Lord? Humbling yourself, casting everything else away, giving it all up to the Lord. And that everything that you have, everything that you are, becomes less important and the Lord becomes more important. So that you devote your entire existence to the will and to the service of the Lord. Now don't get me wrong and say that I'm telling you to sell all your possessions and all your materials and, and to give it all to the church. If the Lord calls you to do that, go ahead. But He's not calling all of us to do that. He puts 10% tithe in there as a guideline to help us realize that we can keep the 90% and use that to glorify the Lord. That's part of our duties, part of our responsibility to take what He has given us to manage, to be good stewards. A good steward doesn't just, doesn't just take everything and give it back to the Lord. Because he gives everything to the Lord. It all belongs to him to begin with. Therefore, we cannot give it all back to him because it's already his. We just ask for the understanding, the guidance, and the clarity to use it properly. So that we can hear those words, Well done, thou good and faithful steward. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. That's what we want to hear come judgment day. So let's do it all for the Lord. Realize that we sacrifice everything our entire existence, because it all belongs to Him after all, and follow Him so that in those last days we can be anxiously awaiting the judgment, not fearing it. So we can hear those words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. All right, let's stop here and we'll pick it back up in the Gospel of John next time. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for your word. So many interesting things in here when we do our studies. Help us to understand it. Help us to apply it right and encourage us to go share it with others. Thank you oh so much for all the many, many blessings you pour upon us each and every day. Help us to realize that it all belongs to you. Thank you once again as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Thank you all.